You're listening to The Science of Superpowers with Tonya Dawn Reclar. Listen here, read the book, and dive into the experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Science of Superpowers. So glad to have you joining us again. I have back on the show Perry Marshall. Perry needs no introduction on the Superpower Network. He's a favorite here. You can go back and listen to past episodes. We'll have those linked for you. Perry, thank you so much for being here again with us. It's a joy. Thanks, Tanya. Oh, so glad to have you here. And and so we're starting off here. This is all part of our celebration of the men of co-creation, and Perry definitely qualifies. The Superpower Network celebrates the men of co-creation, men who have dedicated their existence to the pursuit of something beyond themselves, in areas like science, business, medicine, personal development, religion, family, relationship, and many others, these men have stepped up and said yes to co-creating a world that aims to inspire all of us. Thank you for modeling an admirable character and honorable pursuits. We love you, love each other. Perry, thank you for being part of this. As I've had you on the show over numerous times, your heart your soul, you wear it on your sleeve. You've dedicated your existence to just showing us that we're better than we think we are most of the time, that we're we're capable of bigger things, that that so much of, of what drives you, right? And in the in the in the little bit that we've gotten to know each other here on the show um is in that section. And so you were an immediate person that came to mind as we started crafting this feature. Um, and I'm so glad that you could join us. And and part of today's conversation is gonna be all around doing the things that you know, we're not really sure why we're doing them. And I think that's what a lot of us have in common when we go on this co-creative walk, like something's happening to us and we're not sure what it is. And one of those things here recently in your world is this idea of quantum. And so today we're, we're going to, we're going to quantify quantum because part of that conversation is realizing we talk about words all the time, but we don't actually know what we're talking about. Right. And that's our world, right? The energetic communication, the fact that these words are pretty much meaningless until we give them some context and some energy. So talk to me a little bit. You shared this story with me. It's so fascinating. So tell me how you came to doing something that you, you don't th- know exactly how you haven't done before, but you're in the process of doing and what your thought process was. That I think it's really powerful. So I spend about a third of my life wearing a science hat. Uh, when I'm not a marketing and business consultant. And I had two scientists reach out to me about three months ago. And they said, Perry, we are writing a special journal of a peer-reviewed, uh, peer-reviewed publication on quantum biology. Would you like to submit a paper? And I said, yes, not because I knew what I was going to write or how I was going to write it because I didn't. And that was why I said, yes, Uh, I took quantum physics 30 years ago in college. I am an electrical engineer and the professor was horrible. I didn't understand anything he was talking about. I learned how to push the equations around and get the answers on the test, but I never felt like I wrapped my head around it, grasped it properly and I didn't have time to. I, you know, I'm just trying to get a grade and I'm trying to juggle all these things. And I always felt like one of these days I need to actually understand what this is. And so all of a sudden a door pops open. Perry, would you like to walk through that door? And the funny thing was I only had two and a half months to do it. It's 
Today, recording this, it's March 21st. It's due April 1st. I have to have it turned in. <laughs> and then it's going to go through peer review. And I am sewing the parachute on the way down, writing a peer-reviewed science paper in two and a half months on a subject that you don't even feel like you adequately understand is hard. But I've done a lot of other things before where I had to sew the parachute on the way down. And so I said, I think I'm supposed to do this. And it's really a faith journey. And <laughs> And I, I'm going to wade through the many, many interpretations of quantum mechanics, and I'm going to apply this to what I know. I'm going to come to this as an outsider. Mm -hmm. Not, I mean, I'm not a physicist. I'm not, I'm not in that profession normally. And I'm going to see if I can find better answers to some really old questions than what other people are coming up with. And so here I am. And mm -hmm. I hired um, some people on the show will know the site Upwork, where you can hire graphic designers and programmers and copywriters and all kinds of people like that. Well, most people don't know. You can hire scientists, too. And I hired seven physicists. And I sent them all stuff. And I said, shoot holes in this and help me straighten it out. And we've been going back and forth. And I eliminated about four or five of them. And now I've got two or three that I'm left with. And we're just almost like duking it out, like in a very friendly way. Um, but it's, it's iron sharpens iron and, and we okay. don't all agree. Why would we, it's a very complex topic. And, and so here, I, I don't know that it's going to make it through peer review. I can't guarantee it's going to get published, but I'm willing to do it in every day after I do what I call Renaissance time, which is my meditation, prayer, focus, you know, get my head in the right space time in the morning. This is my first top priority project. And I do it every day, six days a week. And then I do my other stuff. And I have, it's big rocks first. And I have learned that whatever the most important thing is, if I honor that most important thing, all the other stuff falls into place. And I got a lot going on, but but this is exciting. And I I I sort of know in my inner knower that I'm I'm gonna thread the needle. I'm right. going to figure it out. And I still have stuff. We're, we only got 11 days to go. I still have stuff I haven't figured out, but that's okay. And here you are on an interview talking with us, right? And so, so you are literally a gift guest right now for this concept of co-creation because you're embodying it. You're modeling it. You're showing the aptitude to say, this makes me a little uncomfortable, but you know, all the good stuff does, right? The, 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 the walks of faith, right? All the good walks are, right? It's like, it's like, you get to a point in your life where it's like, I've, I've done that or somebody has. And it's like, that doesn't thrill me. What thrills me is seeing what we're capable of. What can we, where can we push the envelope? And the fact that you're able to come together and say, I don't know everything. In fact, I don't know much about this in particular. And I'm willing to sit and talk with others in a co-creative space, allowing for whatever to emerge that's going to emerge come forward. And, and that is literally the definition of co-creation where two or more of you gather there also will I be. And there's this exponential component because creation itself is 
the relationship that we all share, right? And when we understand that we truly are capable of anything, if we're willing to open ourselves up, right? So Perry said some really, really crucial things. And they're not just about how he goes about this, how he goes about his life, how he views himself, right? How he approaches problems, how he handles his own discomfort. He gave it all away, folks. He has done the internal mapping to say, okay, I know how I'm going to respond. I know what I'm going to do. I know how to put the things in place. I know how to be successful. And I have enough cellular confidence in my system that says, if this, then this, this is that predictability that happens when you harness your creative energy in an intentional fashion and channel it like he just got done saying, and you get this kind of almost myopic vision where it's like the stuff happens, right? If you learn to program your stuff yourself well, folks, your avatar can kind of exist. It can survive. Survival sort of happens on its own. It's sort of a gimme if we let it be. Then you get to live, right? Then you get to create. And so so there's a wealth of stuff in there and, and not the least of which was the idea that, oh, you're also going to try to quantify quantum. Like <laughs> I'm on top of everything else. And like, not to mention the process that we just outlined, the developmental journey you've been through, but now you're going to tackle a topic that everybody talks about, like, like we all know what we're talking about, but none of us know what we're talking about. None of us really understand it. And it's not very useful other than to say, there's a whole lot we don't know. Right. Which isn't that kind of how you and I got started talking about creation and evolution, right? We talk about these concepts that we believe we build lives on top of these concepts. We build worlds, we build definitions of self, we build countries, we build ideologies. Well, everything gets built on top of what we believe about ourselves and our relationship to creation. And when we don't stop to question that, right, I shared with you then that was one of my biggest eye opening experiences was to realize I carry a contradiction inside myself that I believe in both creation and evolution wholeheartedly. And the world's telling me I can't. Right? right? It's like, how can you not? Like, literally, evolution is a natural byproduct of creation, if you understand it. So it makes every kind of sense, right? And so here you are looking at these concepts, looking at yourself. That is a man of co-creation. So thank you for the moment to shine that light. And let's say, so what do we do with this, right? You disagree in those spaces, right? How do you actually, you know, some people are listening to this going, oh my gosh, my head's going to explode, right? He's got all these things going on, right? keep Keep in mind, folks, he takes the time out, his Renaissance time right? We call it PMCS, right? From the military, but we use prayer, meditation, stillness, and contemplation. You better Mm -hmm. be connecting to the field folks and you better know how. Otherwise Mm -hmm. something else is running you for sure, right? Yes. So how do you take something that's a hot mess, right? But you can see this thread. How do you do that in the midst of it when it's, when it's staticky, when it's frictiony, right? How do you, how do you sit in that? So I think the starting point of all of these things is you ask what is true and whatever you think might be true, you need to be put willing to put on an anvil and invite other people to smash it as hard as they can. And um, this is very, very hard for some people to do. Uh, There's a song by Rush where one of the lyrics is, illusions are painfully shattered right where discovery starts. And I've always believed the saying by Jesus, the truth will set you free. And I think it's generally true. It's not just true in a religious context. I think it's true, true. And 
Um, so like what I'm doing with this right now, and this applies to anybody, like if let's say that you just got diagnosed with cancer, this applies to you. Let's say you just broke up with your partner. This applies to you. Let's say that you're starting a new company. This applies to you. You say whatever you think is the case and you say, well, how would I prove this wrong? Or how would I prove that part of this is wrong? How would I find out that the rest of it is true? Like how would I separate the wheat from the chaff? And whatever that is, then you invite other people to look at it. And, and the way I do it is like in this project. Well, if I hire people with 10 more years, 20 more years experience in education in this subject than I have, and I say, shoot holes in this, and they do, and I go, but wait a minute, you forgot to consider X. If, if I can't push back and convince them, then I'm probably wrong. And if I pushed back and they're like, well, actually, Perry, you are right about that. Or in, and sometimes I do. Like sometimes I found something they didn't find, usually because I was an outsider. That's right. And I, and I wasn't invested in any particular view. And I went, maybe I took the scenic route and I collected these other things, or I know things from other fields. And so I know a counterexample that they didn't really think of. Um, and by the way, outsiders are where all the innovations come from. Bill Gates was an outsider in the computer industry, and Steve Jobs was an outsider, and Larry and Sergey were outsiders, and Fred Smith, who started FedEx, was an outsider, and Charles Darwin was an outsider, and Albert Einstein was an outsider, and the guys that started Uber were an outsider, and oh yeah, Elon Musk, definitely an outsider. Was he from the automotive industry? No. Was he from the space industry? No. And innovations almost never come from the inside. And so what I've done my most of my career is I've brought the outsider's advantage. Well, I don't know as much of you as you guys do, but I'm more curious than you are. And I've investigated more things. And like, you know, you look around and my, I've got so many crazy kind of books about so many subjects and I just love to learn and love to explore. And if I know something from evolutionary biology that applies to physics, the physicist probably doesn't know about it. And, and that's, and if butcher, baker, candlestick maker, if you're a candlestick maker, you know stuff that butchers don't know. And you know, you know stuff that bakers don't know, and um, that that's the that's the great thing about being self-taught. And the other thing about self-taught is it doesn't kill your curiosity. <laughs> I love that. The uh, we're going to take a quick break, folks. Perry, uh, Perry, when we come back, we're going to dive back into this conversation. Before we go, where can people go to find out more about you? Go to PerryMarshall.info. And you can jump off to any one of a dozen different projects. Let's go to perrymarshall.info. You can find my business stuff, my science stuff, other stuff. Very beautiful. Before we go to the break, folks, or as we're at the break, be thinking about these things that Perry's bringing up, right? 
he's bringing up a lot of great nuggets. Like be willing to go into spaces where you're not the norm, right? Things that are not, are new to you. Be willing to say, hey, I kind of see this differently, right? Be willing to hear that from others. Those are all really great tips. Tips. Focus on those. We're going to be right back after the break. Make sure you're always getting over to superpowerexperts.com. We have new information there all the time to get started on your journey of making your lifetime journey the journey of a lifetime. We will be right back after the break, folks. Hello, everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Director of Superpower Experts. If you're ready to activate your superpowers and turn your lifetime journey into the journey of a lifetime, go to superpowerexperts.com and get started today. Awesome. We're back. You're listening to the Science of Superpowers. I'm Tonya Don Reckla. We're here with Perry Marshall. We are quantifying quantum today. And you, if you were listening before the break, you heard all about this story of doing things that you don't necessarily know how to do, right? And the value of putting yourself in positions that that are new to you, maybe, and maybe where you're not necessarily the the norm that's there, right? Or, or, or typical, or, or maybe you are different, right? I, I built a career out of being always the only one of something, something, right? Something, something, something. It was different because of the thought process, right? Coming out of um, you know, the a- academic world and then going into counterintelligence, right? And then going from counterintelligence into entrepreneurship. And it's just all of these different lenses. And, and I found exactly what Perry's speaking to you. You come in with a different perspective. And sometimes it's a little rocky, like for sure, you know, the counterintel world didn't love the whole like, um, hold on, wait, hold on, wait, hold on a second. How do we know they're guilty? Like, how? Like, can we think about this for half a heartbeat, right? Military didn't love that, right? So, so there are there is some friction points, but you got to be willing to be in the friction a little bit, and um, and so that's a hugely valuable point. Be okay getting a little uncomfortable. I will tell you, voluntary discomfort is far easier than involuntary discomfort, and you start mm-hmm. to hone your skills in discomfort right? In discomfort being that, you know, I like, I, I really credit the fact that I got my start in, in the critical race world and teaching ra- white racial identity training at a very young age to being able to sit in really uncomfortable situations, mm-hmm. right? Really uncomfortable situations. And, and the ability to do that, folks, is, is, is part of what we're seeing right now. Those who are rising to the top in their fields are able to sit in discomfort, they're okay in, in in the in the the world, right? They're they're fine swimming in those waves. They're they're okay in the undercurrents because there are undercurrents right now, right? So that's an incredibly valuable skill set to home. And as Perry's illustrated, it comes in really handy because then people come to you for things that you're like, I don't I don't know, but okay, yeah, I can probably put that together, right? And 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 things you want to jump into. Because you know you can bring forward truth in that. You know you can bring forward knowledge in that. And so, Perry, what as you look forward, right, into the world, and I know that that we got a whole lot of whatnot going on in our world, a um, whole lot of issues that people are sorting through and solutions they're trying to come up with. And, and so, so as you look forward, like I see a lot of similar threads in that. In this conversation about doing the things that make you uncomfortable, being willing to be sort of the the differing voice. What are other things that you're seeing as as we look forward into whatever this world shapes up into from here? Um, how can people really prepare themselves for all kinds of situations that we can't possibly predict? I think the biggest factor in dealing with change and making progress is your ability to hold yourself together in uncomfortable emotional situations. I think that is the defining thing. I think that 
you, you look around anywhere on Twitter or in the media, everybody's is just anxious and wringing their hands and they are afraid to go into an ambiguous space and confront their own beliefs. They're, they're afraid to take whatever they believe and put it on the anvil and actually welcome some of it being destroyed. That's right. And I think that is the defining characteristic of good leaders is they are willing to have their illusions painfully shattered and they can hold themselves together even if they're being proven wrong in public. So I'll give you an example of the opposite of this. And I, I will offend equally on both sides so that I can be an equal opportunity offender. In the 2016 election, I remember the debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And what I noticed about that debate was neither one of them was about to take the blame for anything. There was no admission of wrongdoing or guilt on any side of the equation. None. And what I feel like that was the beginning of a a new season of politicians going out with their, like not just one gladiator suit on, but like 10. I am not giving an inch to anybody. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a very contrarian view that I think what actually works is vulnerability. So I would like you to imagine a different Donald Trump than the one that we know. And I want, I want you to imagine that Hillary says to him, you bankrupted company after company after company after company, and you pocketed all the money. Uh, like one of my friends says, he had, he had a paid parking space at bankruptcy court. I mean, it's true, right? Well, like when, when she asked him that, he didn't even answer. But I want you to imagine a different Donald Trump mm -hmm. that said, I realize that some people might not agree with that, but I did that within the confines of the law and if you don't want people to be able to do that, then go ahead and change the law. But that's, that's right. what the law does. Okay. Now, that, that's honest. Mm -hmm. At least in the, in the narrow frame of my little story here, that's the actual truth. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of people that would love to have a politician that says, I was wrong. I handled that poorly. We should have done that 
pandemic different, or we should have done that nuclear arms deal different, or we mm -hmm. should have. Um, I heard, I think Joe Rogan say one time, um, conservatives never apologize and liberals never forgive. I was like, boy, that's pretty close to the truth. What if you had leaders that were willing to say that they're wrong? Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you that in high stakes leadership situations, when you admit that you're wrong, everybody starts laying down their weapons. That's right. And then you start to have a real conversation. But if you're so afraid of being wrong that you can't be wrong, you'll never get to the truth. Mm, I love that. And, and, it, and it's, it's tough because we see these characters, right? And we know that there are real ramifications for the decisions that they are making. We don't appreciate how they're handling their jobs that, that we've given them. And, um, and it sucks, right? It's a real powerless situation, a real hopeless kind of feeling as, as a citizen of a country when you're pretty clear that the people who are making decisions on your behalf are uninterested in much more than self-preservation of the ego. And that becomes really problematic. And so probably the first politician that lets us train them in a trans-energetic state is going to be uh, uh, pretty happy with the condition of the presidency. Because here's the other kicker, like we said earlier, if you can't connect in, if you don't understand the energetics, if you're not refueling, then, then that job eats you alive. Just watch over the, I, I started a long time ago going, what is killing these? But like the president's just like from four years, they age about 50 years, right? And you just watch yes. the progression. Well, there, there's no refueling. There's no, right? There's the essence, the elements that make for good leadership isn't even inherent in the position. And then we have them acting the fool on live TV and everywhere else, setting really poor models for our children. Thank you very much. We have to explain that at home. But anyway, so so your point of being able to hold yourself in the midst of that emotional piece is huge. And I really love the distinction, folks. Love them or hate them, right? They are people. They are complex. They're not unidimensional. None of us want to be. And yet you all have agreed to a position, right? Let, let's uphold it. When we are willing to allow for some of the give and take, right, and be a little bit more vulnerable, like you said, in those situations, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, we actually are putting our position and the responsibility of our position ahead of the survival of whatever program it is that I'm running. And I know we put these people in really challenging situations. And so that brings up the, the this kind of other point that I want to flesh out with you, because every single man who has been on this show so far around the men of co-creation has mentioned emotions, folks. This is not a coincidence. This is an epidemic, right? Literally, I call it IEDs, inappropriate emotional discharge, right? It's like, ah, you know, it's all over the freaking place, right? And so part of it is what you spoke to, right? There's a real big difference between being guilty and feeling guilty. When we feel guilty and we don't know how to handle that, we sound guilty. We come out yeah. as guilty. Like the yeah. system may suck. We may not like that people have privilege. We may not like that they can take advantage of those systems. But then the system needs to be fixed, right? If it's within the system, allowable by the law, then legally they can do it, right? We may not like it. We may think that the president should have more moral character, whatever the thing may be that we feel about it. There's a huge difference. And when we can't manage the energetics that happen in our system, when emotions kick up, we are guilty. 
we express that out to the world because it's like, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. And, and you may not be, you may not be, but, but what you're going to get back in response is all kinds of suspicion. Cause you're sending out contradictory messages, folks. We talk congruency to counterintelligence agents. You got to get online your thoughts and your emotions and your body and your energetics have to match up. Otherwise people aren't going to take you seriously. And they're always going to keep you at arm's length because you're not in management of yourself. And then bad things happen, right? As we've seen when emotions get high management of self, particularly in our leaders, right? I get it. Not everyone is on this journey, but if you're going to step up in front of people and lead them, you have an obligation to manage your energetics. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you're wrong. You're wrong because you know you're doing it in your situation. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm over it in the sense of we know this stuff, right? We all know it's wrong. We all know it's asinine. And we all know that they're making decisions on our behalf. I sat and watched a woman tear a speech up behind his head. It's like, what, a temper tantrum? I'm sitting there watching this thing with, with my daughter going, please don't, please don't watch. Please don't watch. Because that's not how we handle our feelings. That's not how we talk about things. That's not yeah. what we show to our young women coming up in the world. That's, this is not what we do, folks. And so that emotional piece makes us act all kinds of crazy. And, um, and it's a big deal, right? I, I remember back in high school thinking all of our social ills worldwide would be resolved with a little bit of self-esteem. Right. And that that's a simple place from a white girl in a very privileged position to come to. But I came to it because it's right now how those low self-esteems come to be developed. We got real work to fix, folks. But that is the key. And especially for those of you who are in positions of power. Clean up your acts, please. This is ridiculous. Think I don't know, Perry. I, you just you got me going, man. This is this is co-creation, right? I got a little fire in there. Like, whoa, Tonyo's coming to the surface. Holy cow! And we're celebrating yeah. you. So, Perry, thank you for that passion and for that the the ability to just look behind and say no, just no, just no. And so, please, when you write the paper, we want to read it. We want to see it. We want we we want to see that 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 co-creation in action because even when it's messy, and it's always messy, folks, when we come together to co-create. There's a deliciousness to it. There is a richness. There is an aliveness that is untouchable by anything else. So seek that first. Perry, what are some final thoughts you want to leave folks with today? I have a friend named Dave Charlson, and he's, I guess you could call him a life coach, although that's that doesn't do him justice at all, but, but just to give you a vague category. Um, and he talks about something called radical vulnerability, which goes something like this. Um, let's say that your spouse leaves the toilet seat up and it makes you angry. Um, instead of confronting them the way you normally would, which sometimes turns into World War III. You know how that weird thing can happen in relationships. You say, Joe, I am afraid of something. You left the toilet seat up and I would like to talk to you about it, 
And I just want you to know, I'm afraid that if I confront you about this, you're going to bring up that bankruptcy situation I got us in six years ago, and we're going to get into a big giant blame game and both end up feeling like crap at the end of the conversation. And I want that to not happen in this conversation. And I'm feeling nervous that it's going to go that way. And that's a lot more vulnerable than Joe, you idiot. <laughs> that doesn't go well. That's weird. <laughs> Tends to not go well. Weird. Oh, and the biggest fight Justin I ever got in was about dishes. I remember it was very early in our relationship. And the fear there, I love the fear. The fear was really like from a, an innate survival pro. I followed it all the way down and busted right through the end of it because I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, this isn't happening. And it was like, if you can't do the dishes right, how are you going to take care of me? Right. Mm-hmm. How are, when push comes, if you can't just follow a simple task, which of course rests on the notion that we agree on how to do dishes, right? Like the, there was that whole thing right. to start off. I was like, dude, if we had just taken the right. first five years and taught each other what both of us know, we would have been fucking brilliant. Like it would be great. Right. Um, and so, so that comes into it. Right. And that, that was the fear was like, you're, you're not going to be who I need you to be when I most need you to be that. And as a woman, as much as I hated to admit it at that time, that program was in there that I had to have that. And I flat out told him I didn't need him for that. When we started dating, I was a counterintel agent, right? But the programs are there, folks. They didn't start with us, but we're carrying them, right? And so as those come up, use these techniques that Perry's talking about. Like, first of all, stop, take a breath, right? We teach you in SIFA, you breathe, right? You expand your mind, soften the heart, right? Like these are easy techniques when you know how to work these processes. If you don't know how to do this stuff, start training yourself. If you don't know how to train yourself, Get over superpowerexperts.com. Folks, you have no excuses, literally none. Perry, you're brilliant. I love you. I love this. I love that you come on the show. I love that you keep entertaining my my crazy conversations. And I love that you're writing a paper with a bunch of people you don't know about a topic that you think is worth diving into on behalf of all of us. The very definition of a man of co-creation. So we're rooting for you from over here and all your projects. Please come back on the next thing that you're doing so we can talk about it then. Thank you for everything you do, Perry. Thank you, Tonya. Beautiful. And thank you to all of you as always. We're so, so honored that you helped make us in the top 1.5% of podcasts globally. That's huge. We appreciate this. And it means that we're ready, folks. We're ready for these conversations. Don't stop. Don't stop short with superficial. Keep going. Connect with people and be real. Remember who you are. Till next time, folks. We love you. Love each other. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.